Ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems, weavers of all races and subclasses, welcome to This Dungeon is Occupied. My name is Illidine, and together with Thorne and Brian as your hosts, we wish to help you as players and game masters, or as we say, story weavers, from the aspiring to the veteran with questions, ideas, and interviews for your next tabletop role-playing game experience. So grab a beverage, sit with us, and remember, steal everything, and have fun. Today, we are graced with the presence of royalty. A professional dungeon master with over 600 paid game sessions, a best-selling TTRPG writer, author of the platinum best-selling work She is the Ancient, a gender-brent curse of Strahd, writer for Dungeon in a Box, and Modiphius, web designer, layout artist, blogger, educator, and the horror-loving Ravenloft queen herself, please welcome Beth the Bard. And that was so much that you said. <laughs> <laughs> it's a but we have somebody else here. As a special surprise bonus that we literally didn't know about until two minutes ago, <laughs> we are also graced by an advocate for inclusion and diversity in gaming, a narrative designer and live performer with a background in acting and directing films and live theater. They will be helping us learn to provide cinematic storytelling in our games. Please welcome their blackness, their queerness, their kingliness, Jaden King. Oh, thank you. Thank you. The, the red thank carpet has been rolled. <laughs> thank you both for coming on this is awesome the reason why you guys are on obviously you guys are well established you guys are great people in the DD community as it is with your inclusivity with your teaching and your backgrounds and coaching but today we are talking about daughter of frankenstein and i want to kind of just give the floor to the two of you i know a lot about daughter of frankenstein because i've already read the entire kickstarter i'm going to be as soon as payday happens this friday i'm going to be getting the digital copy of it and all of us have agreed that we're going to be playing that one shot you know just playing everything about it so the floor is yours <laughs> what is what let i mean a small intro for daughter of frankenstein jay i feel like you should do this because you like are super good at talking <laughs> you want me to lead it off absolutely babe go for it I just want to make a point that I also was not know, did not know I was going to be on here until about four <laughs> minutes ago. So I have like a two minute head start. Um, okay, that's all you need. So that's more than enough. Daughter of Frankenstein. To explain it, I first want you to take a thought. Science, we know it, we experience it all around us, but we ever under consider the idea that what if science was taken back? If our phones were sent back? If our computers were sent back, would that not be supernatural? Let's travel through the essence of Frankenstein's deranged science to challenge not just what nature has done, but what nature could attain. Frankenstein is the monster as well as the scientist, but what legacy he leaves is for his daughter to determine. It takes the idea of this dark opera and weaves a tale through the scientific horror and the supernatural occultism in a way that establishes horror through the act of science itself. You get to explore the essence of a dark academia and stories we understand, the serial killings in a city, but protected by those with money, who, if it doesn't affect the bottom line, it doesn't matter who hits six feet under. But when death continues to build and flourish, there is no more room in hell, and the dead return to walk amongst the land. The creations of Frankenstein roam the wilds beyond the wall, and darkness starts to seep inside of every pocketbook, every society, 
and the heart of every individual. And those monsters become what you explore through Daughter of Frankenstein, where created monsters stitch together, beings who choose to spend money to find power that they should not mess with. And every waking moment is a nightmare in which science continues to evolve and people are failing to do so. Wow. Wow. Okay. That, so okay. yeah, Beth, follow that. <laughs> uh, see, this is why, this is why I bring him everywhere. I was going to say like, yeah, it's, it's a campaign, 10 parts inspired by Frankenstein, but like his kid and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, occult and <laughs> horror and bears that can scream like humans and yeah <laughs> kickstarter okay so so this 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 is an easy one um yeah. for those of of the of our listeners that haven't read the kickstarter unlike us when and i am completely in love with this yes um list out some of your inspirations let's list out the stuff that really inspired you to go with this kind of horror body horror type of thing uh, it kind of depends on where within the setting, too, because, you know, got a little map there. Mm -hmm. um, it, within the city, there's a lot of inspiration. Uh, we were talking about earlier, Penny Dreadful is a huge one in the way that, like, magic as it can appear does appear. Mm -hmm. uh, very give and take with that uh, dark energy kind of stuff. Um, uh, so Penny Dreadful, uh, Jack the Ripper, of course. Um, very inspired by the movie in particular, uh, From Hell with Johnny Depp. Mm -hmm. It, I saw it, I was like, oh, this is definitely <laughs> coming in. Uh, uh, The Curious Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. There is, um, I can't say, but it's so cool. Um, <laughs> regarding that, um, uh, Resident Evil, you know, minus the modernization of it. And I, I don't I haven't played the Resident Evil games other than Village, which obviously there's inspiration pulled from that. But when I say Resident Evil inspiration, I'm actually referring to this uh, the TV show that they made. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, oh my gosh, some of the concepts from that have been pulled in. Um, what am I missing, babe? I'm on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. And this is where I come in and do what I do. Yeah, <laughs> um, we have a collective list of inspirations because it is um, a dark opera. We take the idea that it's Victorian. Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> yes, Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> um, so it takes all those elements along with um, Phantom of the Opera and the idea that it's you yes. know that Victorian style shadow theater. And what if the story was told in that um, Guillermo del Toro? Uh, well, Guillermo del Guillermo Toro. Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> yeah, and um, Tim Burton's that uncanny nature of cinematography but in a way that ttrpg so the acts kind of hit their own inspirations where act one is in the city we have a lot of penny dreadful sherlock holmes um for me my inspiration put in was full meta alchemist the idea of alchemy being a magical science or magic with so much rules that is basically science and mm -hmm. the dishonored game series because of the way of the occultism inside oh, of a city yeah. where money has pushed society down and now they're yeah, pushing I can see back that. Um, Act two takes you outside of the city. So we have inspirations like Frankenstein, obviously, Annihilation, where the Annihilation is like the wilderness one. is Annihilation. <laughs> I saw that movie and I was like, like we had started writing the content for this setting and and Jay was like, Oh, you should check out this movie. I feel like some of the stuff you're talking about is right in line with it. And we we're watching it, and I was like, Oh my god. Oh my god. 
And that the the artwork that I bought, particularly with the with the wolf, that's like, I got that because it reminded me so much of the bear in that movie. Yeah, and yeah, yes, yeah. the mimic bear has a stat block. Hell yeah! Oh, I worked flesh. to make the mimic bear. Yes, it was. I was, I was like, I have to have it. It has to be in there. That's it. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, I'm so excited. See, yeah. and that's that's one of the things that I like that when I was looking at the Kickstarter is that y'all are putting. A lot more effort than what I've seen, you know, not to dog on any Kickstarter because they're all great. And, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, different creators do different things, but y'all are putting a lot of effort into not only the art, which is amazing, but doing those stat blocks and things because nothing bothers me more than I've put in X amount of dollars into this this thing. And they're like, yeah, so these mimic bears exist. Okay, great. Well, where the fuck's the start block? Like, what? Give me a stat. I need something. I need. What are you talking about? So, that having that is is awesome. And I mean, oh yeah, full just, bestiary. Yeah, and oh god, I, I'm I'm scrolling off to the side. You'll see my eyes kind of dart over. It's because I'm looking at the art on your Kickstarter uh, side by side to my Zoom, and just some of the the simplest things like the right here in the uh, one of the descriptor uh, paragraphs a cross between low-tech steampunk and gas lamp fantasy you just have a, a a watch and like a it looks like a cathedral these things they're simple but they bring a lot of your your inspirations to the audience who's looking at this kickstarter um and i'm just super excited to see the final product when i when i get that digital copy in october of this <laughs> okay, year so, and, and i'm gonna put it out there for all of our listeners you know yeah. both of them um, that we are personally, as individuals on this podcast, we are putting money into this Kickstarter. Absolutely. We beg you to do the same. Yes. This looks amazing. It's going to be so much fun to play. Please. And I'm going to say this more than once. Oh, yeah. And you know what's cool? Uh, I, I do have to say, because obviously, you know, hey, times are tough for some people. You guys are the first Kickstarter that I've seen that has a discounted digital PDF because of COVID. You know, it's right there in, in the reward. This is the discounted PDF tier for disenfranchised groups and folks financially affected by COVID. It's a $5 discount, $25 to get you a, a digital PDF of this entire work and the bonus that every book purchase includes a digital player guide to give to your group. And it includes all the in-book stretch goals. That and one's the, huge. <laughs> the thing that I, I take from it is that these people are players yeah they they know because yeah we this podcast we we go towards players and story weavers right that's what we call dungeon masters and stuff like that because we see it more as weaving a story together with your table than being a master over something so the story weavers and the players i mean come on we have a group that we've played with for years and some of us were affected by covid and some of us weren't yeah and they appreciate that so that tells me that you guys are players and that's that's awesome to us we love that yeah jay is um, a prolific player <laughs> oh, we I have am, questions later for him oh yeah oh. <laughs> i want to make a note on that thing because we did that for very specifically because we like to play and one thing that i've had trouble is i was hit hard by covid and being a specifically a a black American, mm -hmm. the game industry is hard for us to already participate in. And so we did two things to consider. One was 
making that we could try to give the discount for those that can't normally afford it but also giving a player handout for every option so that if the gm gets it they don't have to say hey all my players have to get a copy it's like this is all you need it comes with it to be like hey i want to run this for you this is all you need because that's the other thing i we realize like having a full big book and giving it to each player and they're like what do i read it's like don't worry this book is already for you and it comes with it because it's like we want you to play together. Oh, I was gonna say, and that was um, for me, cause I actually don't get to play very often. Um, mm -hmm. It is- Forever like, DM. <laughs> maybe a couple times a year. Yeah, I'm a forever DM, but I'm a forever professional DM. So like, I'm constantly like trying to put things like that together. And I was like, what is gonna make this easier for dungeon masters to like get their group together, get them sorted as quickly as possible. So yeah, the player, guide is just going to be everything that they need from the main book plus some extra stuff that's just for the players right. and then um character sheets and stuff so yeah and that's the that thing I, I was going to say as a as a book nerd um it's nice to be able to have these handouts because two things happen whenever i get a module it's one yeah there's a handout but it's freaking perforated in my book i'm not tearing right? that page out what are you Nobody crazy? Wants to do that. Like my Tasha's <laughs> uh, puzzles are still in the book. I'm not touching that thing. So what do I have to do? I it used to be Kinko's, but now I go to FedEx and you know scan everything. Well, that costs extra. I've bought this book. Now I got to spend extra money to get my handouts for my players. And for somebody who was hurt, you know, by COVID and things, like you can't do that very often. And especially, you know, for me now that I'm trying to become a professional uh, dungeon master and, and do these things, I'm not going to be able to afford to go. You know, I I went to San Japan and did voluntary uh, volunteer uh, dungeon mastering. If I had a, a handout for the 50 people that I met that. I would be broke. There'd be nothing <laughs> because it, yeah. it just costs too much. You know, even 10 cents a page is 10 cents a page. <laughs> so you guys thinking about that and putting this in, and I mean, having, you know, I'm reading it off the, off here, the nearly 300 pages fully illustrated, you know, ADHD friendly, 10 part campaign. These are all things that not very many people think of. And it's, I'm glad that it's becoming a bigger thing, you know, cause you know, the likes of uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan and, and Satine Phoenix and things, they, they've been talking about it more and more recently. Uh, and a lot of their YouTube videos, a lot of the, uh, like Brennan's uh, podcast that was going on for a long time, he brought guests on that talked about inclusivity and, you know, neurodivergence and things like that. But that's new. I mean, Thorne and I have been playing for a long time. And I mean, Thorne, you know, he can talk about how old he is, but you know, during the satanic panic. Thank you. And, and yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I played during the satanic panic. <laughs> but now, you know, even when I was uh, just starting, it was still it wasn't necessarily satanic panic, except in like small pockets. But it was more like, oh, you're a jock. You shouldn't be a nerd. Also, like that's not a thing. And now we're being more inclusive and we're adding these things. So having a Kickstarter that's like, hey, guess what? We thought about it all. Like, I don't know if I can oh, no, if no, I no. can tell you guys enough how excited I am for your Kickstarter. Period. But listeners, Yay! like you, I mean, even there's a there's a one dollar reward tier. Just you know, if you can help put it out there, put it out there. And with uh, Beth's and Jaden's permission, I would like to put your intro video. I can take it from Kickstarter and put it oh. into our.
here, here's one. Here's a question for each of you. Uh, out of all the, this creativity and stuff that you've done to, to create the daughter's daughter of Frankenstein, uh, who was your favorite NPC you put Ooh, in there? Good question, Claudia. <laughs> that was fast. Oh, oh no! But also Belagosi. Claudia and Belagosi. I can't choose between Aww. the two. <laughs> So I, I love my NPCs so much. <laughs> Are you allowed to I... give a little bit of a description for our listeners who haven't maybe looked at the Kickstarter? Yes. I'm, <laughs> just I'm a, like just looking at Jay. Peek. How much am I allowed to share? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so, you should, they're fine. Go in both of them. It doesn't spoil uh, anything. Claudia is the owner of a cute little like apothecary uh, herbal shop in the city. And uh, she's just, I just love her a lot. She's got a familiar named Rosie, who's a little tarantula. And, um, and yeah, like there's, you know, there's stuff about her within the story, but she's just a very simple NPC with like a full um, family story and everything in here. I just adore her so much, but Bella Gossi is our Igor, so to speak. Um, named Belagosi because Bella Lagosi played the first uh, Igor in film, which kind of set the precedence for Igors within the Frankenstein genre, which actually I don't even think was in the original book. So that was just a cinema edition. So Belagosi. And That's I just awesome. love him so much. <laughs> He's very adorable to me. And Jaden, do you have any uh, so other favorites? Mine's harder because I have made I make a lot of the monsters. Like okay. I do the mechanics, so I've made a bunch of like more so the creatures than the NPCs. Hey, so I'm like, there's oh, nothing wait. wrong. You can say one of the monsters if you want. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that because we, my favorite NPC I've ever had was was a big bat. She was amazing. She was <laughs> amazing. And okay. Yeah, I have so a few, go for it. and it's the top. I, it's a split <laughs> between. Um, I have a stat block I made for a giant carionette. Um, it's basically a, um, a mannequin, but it's um, custom statted. Um, but it's a tie between that and my mummified spore arch druid. Ooh, that sounds cool. Um, it is <laughs> no, a custom awesome. stat block that also comes with. Um, it's because of a custom subclass inspired in the same way using a very um, lament-based approach of psionics, basically um, a psychic druid. And I love that thing so much because it's a cute little spore zombie and <laughs> it's so sweet until it's not. But then it also the third tie <laughs> is our Inspector Hartman, who uh -huh. is... Um, Inspector Hartman is an investigator in the uh, city of Berkeley who... Javert, who is dedicated to determine <laughs> to prove that there's something wrong going on, but the rich are always like, oh, it's fine. But he's this very old man who people is, think is unassuming, but he is ripped to shreds. Like Master Roshi style. Just okay. he walks around seeming old and then he takes off his shirt and he's just like, let's fight, I guess. And I love <laughs> that so much. Yeah, yeah, that's what I got. That's awesome. And it, yeah. I think that that's somewhere in here. Uh, the occasional serial murder here and there is of no concern to them or their pocketbooks. Much to the dismay of Berkman's inspector. It's not too out of the ordinary. There is, after all, a history of body snatching that's well known, though unspoken of. That's... Mm -hmm. 
your flavor text and describing everything oh, yeah. was amazing. Thank was you. really amazing. That's like when we we go through a, a lot of different books and, and we kind of talk about them and, and give you know little reviews on like the classes and stuff like that for D and D. And Tasha's by far is our favorite because of the flavor text, right? The little yeah. blurbs that they say it's it's amazing. They actually got it right with that one. Yeah, I love this flavor text. Is is so on par. Just the descriptions in your Kickstarter is amazing. I I was thoroughly impressed, and I just fell in love with it after reading it for less than a minute. I fell in love with it. <laughs> yeah, especially that intro video. I mean that that was well yeah. done for sure. Very well. That was um, the same soundtrack that I used for. Uh, she is the. Ang I've only done one um, one live streamed uh, game that I well, actual play. That's what they're called. I've only mm -hmm. run one actual play because I'm very introverted. Um, <laughs> I do everything privately, but um, that was the exact same tune that I used for that before launching. She is the ancient. So I was like, obviously, I have to use it for this because of it's course. Like, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, it ties it in. And speaking of tying it in. How do our listeners who haven't found your Kickstarter already find your Kickstarter? Uh, just Frankenstein5e.com. Nice and easy. And we'll put that into our uh, <laughs> our links in, on YouTube and TikTok and all these kinds of things. We're going to we're going to put it out there. So that'll be great. Um, I'm going to switch switch topics just a little bit, but still uh, in D&D. &D. Um, I'm going to steal one from Thorne that he usually gives, but... <laughs> Who or what was your first D&D &D character ever played? Okay, I'm going to go first. <laughs> I played Astrid, um, a three-foot-tall gnome barbarian, because I like the idea of things that don't make sense. So I was like, obviously the tiniest thing oh, and the most extreme. That's me, class. exactly. <laughs> Um, and then uh, one of the other party members was, we decided they were proficient in gnome, so they used me as an improvised weapon uh, and my mohawk. So that was before I really knew how to play D&D or anything. That was, um, you know, we did what we wanted. As one does. <laughs> <laughs> Jaden? Um, so I, I always get mixed up because I remember my first... RPG character and I keep getting mixed up because it wasn't my first D&D because I started with 3.5 um, long ago. Not that long ago. It's like last week. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think my first D&D character, if I have to remember, was very specifically Xander. Um, it was a my gender fluid half elf bard who had a focus on dancing because I was enjoying the idea of being a half a black half elf who used a quarterstaff to fight with and do all their bardic performances, kind of like an exotic dancer to do that. And their specialty was to entertain gods. And their whole thing is they commune with any god by encapsulating in the performance. However, I always remember that character also got um, the GM. We put horseshoes of speed on them, on their shoes. <laughs> and I rode poorly and it turned my half elf bard into a satyr half elf half human who accidentally spoke goat if i had to roll a d4 every time i try to persuade and there's a chance i would just Bleh, instead of being charming and i will <laughs> always remember that because it plagues me to never mess with magic items inappropriately that's perfect i love it i love that so much it's just it, it shows that our listeners that you don't have to 
take the magic items and use them like what they're supposed to be used for. No. Because I, I had a character way back in the day that was uh, a rogue assassin that would assassinate people by putting them in a bag of holding. Yes! <laughs> Honestly, that's what I do all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's genius. So it's just like I'd, they would come up behind him and shove him in a bag of holding and wait like twenty minutes, and then yep. dump him out and walk away. That's how I would do it in Assassin's Creed. If I just come up, be like oh, bag of holding. That way, no one knows <laughs> stealth maximum. Oh, if they put that item into Assassin's Creed, it would be a done deal. I mean, already it's like ah. Uh, do I want to sneak or do I want to just kill everyone? Let's do both and just go through the fort, you know? And yeah, you know, I don't have to hide the body. I don't have to burn it. You know, whatever. Just stuff. And that you can loot them later, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just pull them out. Oh, that's mine. That's mine. Oh, pretty. <laughs> that's okay. Awesome. So uh, my next question is, I, and I think I already know one answer on this, but for, for the listeners, out of all of the modules that are out right now, because you have created a, a, a gorgeous looking module yourselves, um, what would be your favorite module that's already out there? Mm. You want to go first, babe? No, I do not. No? Okay. <laughs> so I am, I would probably have to say Curse of Strahd, obviously, because of she is the ancient. I don't like the original module. I like the uh, changes that the community has made to it. Yes. Um, but I just, I love gothic horror and I love vampires. So I would have to say that's my number one, but I've also fallen very in love with Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Unfortunately, also yes. not how it's supposed to be played. I have turned it completely into a horror story, so. Oh, I, I so uh, want, you need to oh, send me that. Man. Yeah. You need to send me that. <laughs> that would be amazing. I really want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> that is, um, it is a side project in the works, actually putting all that together. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. yes. Jaden, uh, um, I think okay. I threw him in front of a some headlocks I, there. This is I've, <laughs> I've been asked so many questions before. This is the first time someone's ever asked me my favorite module. Never, because I am notoriously, um, for those that do know, I don't run modules, nor I do I either. typically play. Um, I because I do like modern elements in anime, so I'm I'm I have two of them. I guess it's a tie between Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel. Mm -hmm. and Dragonlands. However, Journeys to the Radiant Citadel, because I make my own um, civilizations to go through that are anime-inspired, but also Dragonlands, but that's because I love um, the animes, like Seven Deadly Sins, and I give them guns so it feels like Trigun, and I'm like, those classic fantasy feels, but anime and Dragonlance gives me just enough ammunition to play with that. And so oh, yeah. I think those would be where that's, I'm that's at. That's a great answer. You're, you're actually talking to to two guys that really like to take the actual yep. modules and just change them completely. <laughs> Both yeah. your answers are great because we don't we tend not to take the modules on face value either. We like to change them. Yeah. So. <laughs> our our horde of the Dragon Queen was a level twenty uh, campaign. It was epic level. It yeah. lasted it One lasted five. five sessions. Shut up! They don't have to know that. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, just a, a really quick aside, uh, Bone Daddy is all up into lore and loves D&D lore, and so when we're playing this game, it's level 20, it's it's whatever, we get to around Baldur's Gate, you know, Horde of the Dragon Queen, the party is supposed to be looking for uh, the crown of Tiamat and protecting it from the cult of the dragon, and Robbie was like, well, I mean, Robbie knows that the crown in uh, Avernus is in 
Baldur's Gate. So could I roll a history check and see if my character, who was kind of a historian, can we see if he knows that it's there? I was like, well, I mean, yeah, sure, why not? Roll a history check and then roll a D100. He rolls a nat 20 on the history check and then rolls a 99 on the D100. I was like, yeah, your character fucking knows. Like, it's it's there. <laughs> you want to visit the guy, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> so they were like, yeah, so I just take the crown and I stuff the bag holding and I take it to arc one character's safe. And uh, how's how's that? And I was like, well, uh, campaign's over. Congratulations. Um, you you <laughs> won the fucking run game. run D&D? <laughs> <Just, laughs> didn't he know really, it was possible. He really did. He really did. Flip so, wall, cheat code, up, down, up, down, left, left, right, got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that was, it was fun. Um, so, now, I want to ask, because you guys uh, play at least a lot uh, professionally, and, you know, you guys have, have some games under your belt, you know, 600. You know, so, I, let's, let's say that I am a brand new story weaver or dungeon master and i bought my first book what do i do which book did you buy um you know i i bought the dungeon master's guide because everyone asked me to be a dungeon master and i i don't know um i i've never done it before i've, I've never role played i i i don't know i i i guess i want to play something but i don't really i don't have a money for a module i mean can you help me out Okay. Have you so aside from not DMing, have you played? Do you have the player's handbook? I have part of the player's handbook. I got it online. I found the PDF. It was somebody shared it. Um and I've only played one character for like a one shot at a, at a local gaming store. Okay. Okay. Um read the player's handbook. That um did more for me as a dungeon master. I'm gonna be real, I haven't read the whole Dungeon Master's Guide. Um, I'm pretty sure it's all just magic items or something. The only thing I needed getting into DMing was the player's manual. Um, and then creating a character from scratch, spending the whole damn hour going through <laughs> with a pencil and paper, no D&D Beyond, build it from scratch. And that's gonna help you really vibe with the different skills you can use and the ways that they go together and what a player might be interested in. Um, definitely try to play a few times and keep track of what makes you so excited in a game because that's probably going to translate well for your table. And then, um, fucking do it. Like just That's awesome. Get people together and then just, like, do it. And it's going to be messy for the first, you know, hundred games. And <laughs> it's still going to be messy after that. Like, just get used to it. Facts. <laughs> Anything to add, Jade? Oh, my advice is terrible. Oh, I love terrible advice. Oh, God. That's the best. That's, that's the best. So, I'm curious, um, honestly. Here we go. Let me first say, um, I want to double down on um, Beth saying the player's handbook. That's the only book you actually need to play D&D if you need a book. But I'm going to double down and be like, you don't need a, any books. You don't need any dice. You don't need any of that. All you, you need... You need to, like, get a campaign. Just run nope. an episode of TV you like. That is it. Honestly. Yeah. If you're trying to figure out how to get started... <laughs> No one knows what you know. No one knows what you've prepared. No one knows anything except for what you know. And at that, choose your favorite movie, favorite show, favorite whatever, and just play that out and get comfortable telling a story. Then, once you feel comfortable telling a story, 
apply D&D to give you structure. I am more comfortable telling a loose-ended experience that we'll all have fun goofing about. And once you've got past that, you will find comfort in any module. I feel if you start off with too many mechanics, you get real used to Very it. Very confused. And, mm -hmm. and it gets hard to flexible. My first time running, I didn't even know what D&D was. And me and my friends were playing fantasy experience with random i was like hey what do you guys do if you do this and you've all done it the amount of times people have walked out of a movie and said oh i was in that movie i would do this well yeah. put that and then ask your players in that scenario what would you do move on voila and then add on all the rules to give it structure for parts you were uncomfortable at that's my advice that's perfect. you are my hero yes <laughs> so i mean you saw us you know kind of doing some cheering in the background um, and that's because part of our podcast, we have episodes that are called Steal Everything. And we roll a yeah. D6, and one and two is a movie, three and four is a book, and five and six is a song. And we roll the dice, we find what it's going to be, and then we just pick randomly. You know, uh, like the last episode, we rolled on a song, and we made a small one-shot out of uh, the bird and the worm from the used. And that's just... It's it's something to get the creative juices flowing for us, but then it's it's cool content and just like you said, Jaden is they they don't need anything to play this game or really any tabletop role playing game. You need a tabletop just to sit around and you role play and nice. have fun and snacks. That is important, you know. Yes, yeah, that is actually required. I do apologize. And, and listen, snacks are um, necessary. Feed your DM, guys. Uh, that's, that's that's important. Feed the DM. That's the only payment that most of them will ever care about. <laughs> now, but, along along that same vein, we we want to go to the next part of this this interview, which we do with everybody. We try to do it for everybody if they agree. Is um, we make an NPC. We do something on our Patreon. It's called <laughs> NPC of the Week, and we do it like a round robin. So. Uh, we do whatever it can be, whatever you want. It could be a, we choose the race, the class we choose what they do. It could be a shop owner. It could be a mercenary. It could be a stable boy. It's whatever you want. And we come up with an NPC to share with our, our listeners that they can use in their campaigns or not. It's whatever they want. And we just put them out there. They're not very long. They're pretty simplified. And we just come up with a basic idea. So would you be willing to do that? Absolutely. Um, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Possibly. <laughs> you know, so a question mark. Every every time that we ask this question, I'm like, you know, one of these days, somebody's going to make the joke and be like, no, let's just end the podcast. <laughs> and uh, we got to wrap this up real quick. And you're like, oh, sorry. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> one, one day it might happen. Uh, so the first question we'll come up with is going to be uh the occupation um i'd like to keep it you know going with theme let's let's keep it at a, a horror theme for the npc uh but beth can you come up with the occupation for this npc dentist 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 okay i love mm -hmm. that was so fast <laughs> i was like oh, i'm I gonna wait for the answer the little shop of horrors you know oh yes Ooh. yes 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 mm -hmm. okay <laughs> Uh, Jaden, the hardest question ever for an NPC. What's the name of our NPC? Oh, the name is going to be, uh, Teeter? Louise. Je okay. Teeter Louise. Teeter Louise. Teeter Louise. Okay. And, uh, Brian, uh, what is Teeter Louise's race? 
slash species. Mm, but we're keeping it in to keep it in, keep it going as human. Human, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and my favorite part, uh, Thorn. What is this quirk <laughs> for Teeter? <laughs> so, so Teeter Louise is this Italian um, dentist, and he has this quirk that he he when he is working on his patients, he is constantly looking to the side because he actually sees something there. Nobody oh. else can see it. But so he'll he'll drill or he'll pick at the teeth and be like, just keep looking to the side and be like, every once in a while you hear a shh. <laughs> Is it shh, shh? No. <laughs> it's because he's seeing a pixie mm, that like is this. asking him questions constantly. Okay. And it's slowly driving him insane. I like it. First of all, have to use the insanity charts. Uh, for yes. this, also, like tooth fairy. <laughs> I was thinking fairy. that along the same line. Um, so the pixie of of Teeter, this tooth fairy. Uh, every client that comes through, they the the pixie is going to ask like, "Hey, are you gonna give me that tooth? I just just the one, I, uh, one molar, just one. Well, I only need one molar because you see, I I could give them, I can give them a magic item. Fuck it, I'll I'll pay for it. It's fine." I just need, I, I need a collection. I, I have I have a stack of gold that I'm willing to trade for that one molar. The problem is, is that with all Faye, when you make a deal, it's not just the deal on the surface. Uh, and I think that that's going to be where our players can encounter this this dentist and the the pixie is maybe the dentist finally breaks. He's finally hit that insanity point. And he says, you know what? Fine, flicks the molar. At the at the tooth fairy, and the the tooth fairy becomes visible to the party, and the deal is set. What the deal is, only the DM knows. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That is our it. blueprint for for an NPC. Uh, for the listeners, you don't need much more than that. You can play with an NPC like this in damn near any game, but horror, you could take this in. Very oh, yeah. many gruesome and, and fun ways. <laughs> we should just oh, expand already, and put it in the book. I already made a character. I I, I have I made a playable the character <laughs> Peter Luis. I've already have ideas on the stats that play a character mm, class. Oh, you're happening. gonna play it as a oh, character. Yeah. I'm oh, okay. I'm playing as Peter Luis one day. <laughs> oh, when you do, shoot us an email because wherever it's at, I'm gonna be there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm making a I'm making a subclass just for Peter Luis because I already Perfect. know the subclass. Oh, what is I, it? I, so, yeah, like, think about it, right? Teeter uh -huh. Luis has is a third generation dentist. It's been in their family for long. This sure. fairy is not just what they deal with. Their granddad did, their father oh. did, and it's now oh, on yes. to them mm -hmm. because this is a patron that's just been waiting for someone. They've yes. never had a warlock, and they just want one <laughs> warlock. Just one. <laughs> so they can finally prove to their other pixies that they're worthy. And that's so now, amazing. they are now the, the bone lock. The bone lock. Oh, oh. Peter Lewis, the bone <laughs> lock. I love it. I oh, love man. that so much. <laughs> A bone and based warlock. I just oh. love that you could take that so so many different ways because you could play Teeter, you know, upset that he's you know a warlock now. He's like, I, 
Yeah, I shouldn't have given you that Mueller, man. Yeah, I just, yeah. <laughs> I was making good money, and now I'm in a fucking adventurer? Like, what are you... Damn. You know, that's... Wow. Oh, that's I love awesome. the... Yeah. I can't wait to see that, Jaden. <laughs> You're gonna have to definitely shoot us like the the whole Please. stat like everything. Yeah. Please. <laughs> I, I if I really look, I might get it done by tomorrow. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and just for we're kicks and giggles, one of the easier subclasses. Sure, I'm not gonna lie yes. for me. Yeah, <laughs> just for kicks and giggles. Uh, hey, Bone Daddy, now that you're listening, ha <laughs> um, ha. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Uh, Thorn, do you want to give us? Uh, we're coming up on on our time. Do you want to give us our wrap up uh, question for both? Yes. Um, the the one thing that that definitely attr attracted all of us to this th whole thing is the inclusivity of it all. Um, we love that you put that to the forefront. We love that it's it's one of the main things about this whole Kickstarter and about this whole book and and the stuff you've done in the past too. Um, we just want to know, and, and we want you to tell our, our listeners uh, what it means to you to have this inclusivity put into the stuff that you're doing. You want to go first? You want me to go first? You can take, you can take first lead. Um, so I'm, I feel like I'm, I've been, uh, pretty blatant about, uh, the lack of proper, uh, female representation in all D&D &D stuff, um, across the board as far as, uh, you know, quote unquote luminaries and, mm -hmm. um, just people available to work with as well as the content of, uh, campaigns. So I think it's getting better. I don't know. I haven't read any of the new stuff, but... Um, for me, I'm like, I, I'm tired of men being the default for everything and women being add-in support and stuff. So, uh, I always run full forward with trying to make sure that there's not just a balance of men and women, but there might even be a little bit more women in order to offset the fact that there's going to end up being a bunch of accidental male NPCs and things like that that pop up. It's just a thing. I've seen it. So mm -hmm. um, that's where um, my has been my main focus. And then Jay. Um, my focus has been uh, with D&D &D, race has always been a complicated factor, particularly since like race is fantastical and colorization of it isn't applicable. For me, inclusivity is more about how the stories try to tell certain things. I believe that no story needs to have any form of slavery to drive a story forward. Uh -uh. Um, if it's a trope that's about suffering for black people or for women, if it's TV does it to do um, a way to just show that pe colored people suffer and women suffer, uh, the only way it's allowed to be kept in is if it changes the narrative to target uh, white men. And I always make the point that <laughs> if it's going to be someone suffering in that way, it's going to be them. But it's about making stories that help people see the details without feeling like they have to suffer through it again. Um, we don't need race discrimination in the adventure, but you can have it discrimination of sorts against magic. So long as it's not about the individuals. Mm -hmm. It's how you control the content and not just in the content, but how it's portrayed. I mean, Beth is an amazing designer and the book is laid out in a way that presents visual elements um, and it's easier to read. The content is traversable. When you mm -hmm. read, you're not trying to getting blurred out by a bunch of words so you can actually get the point of it and making sure that the story feels real without forcing pain that isn't necessary. 
for those that want to escape and for those that want to experience for growth, suffering doesn't have to be the core component. It's about collaboration and community. And that's what it comes down to. If you can build that larger and not focus it on your table, it's one of those think at your table, but act globally. Mm -hmm. I love He's that. the words yeah. guy of us. <laughs> I'm the pictures person, you know? So like, he's very eloquent. I thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and you said. know, we at our table we've got a, a lot of people of, of the rainbow and things and and it's never been really a problem for our table, but I know and I've met people that have talked about it being a huge problem uh at a lot of their tables and having to unfortunately leave groups because they just they felt uncomfortable. And I think that uh, hopefully you guys will agree, I think the biggest thing that we like to tell our listeners is that session zero and the lines and veils that you produce up front and say, hey, I'm not cool with this. Uh, can we play something a little bit different? Can we, you know, and working with the, not only the DM, but the rest of your players and saying this is a different way of work around to that suffering that you were talking about. Um, I think that that's this, the, the biggest thing. And so when I saw that in y'all's bio, that was, I mean, the Kickstarter aside, I wanted to get you guys on for that. Um, and so, again, thank you guys for coming on. I mean, really, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having Thanks us. For having us, of course. Oh, yeah. I mean, hopefully, you know, we'll we'll keep in contact, uh, especially through social media, because I'll be commenting on on Beth's Instagram and TikToks all over the place and trying to to up the algorithm a little bit. Uh, you know, for the, the Kickstarter, but maybe after the Kickstarter, of course, maybe after the Kickstarter, we can get together and, and do a, a part two to this uh, or, you know, who knows, yeah. maybe just make to another see NPC or something, you know, yeah, just but. to see where you guys are at and how everything went. Definitely. We need to get you back after after the release and everything. After you guys aren't so busy. Oh, get back on and see how things I, go. I would love totally to do yeah. an unboxing with you guys uh, because Ooh, yeah. we're going to be getting uh, the, the hardbacks. So, I mean, if if you guys are down for it, once October hits and we start, you know, delivering and things, uh, I would love to do an unboxing with you guys. Uh, I don't know totally if it'll be, down. you know, I don't know if it'll be live, but maybe at least a recording of that unboxing. So, uh, yeah. And fun fact, it like I put the date on that I put on because, you know, they say, you know, set expectations and deliver mm -hmm. the books written like Ooh. it's already like it's not going to take that long to get it. <laughs> Look at that. So. See, listeners. So you have to get it. The Kickstarter uh, officially ends at the end of March. So get it now. There you go. Yep. And with that. Ladies and germs, theys and thems, remember to check your dungeons, because this dungeon is occupied. What's up, Weavers of the Realm? As always, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you haven't already, click that like button and subscribe or follow us on your chosen platforms. It goes a long way to help us grow. Uh, and if you liked the intro music that we just used, it was made with the help of The Hobby Hub on YouTube and Saturn Imaging Production Company. Uh, also, if you want exclusive content like NPC of the Week, Discord access, and behind the scenes, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash thisdungeonisoccupiedpodcast. And of course, the link to our merch store, social medias, and all the other podcast uh, platforms are available on our link tree in the show notes. Good luck in your games, steal everything, and have fun.